Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, this is the Non-Fungible Podcast, NFP with D. Klein. Now proudly sponsored by the Koi Network, where you can mint atomic NFTs on-chain and get paid when your creations attract real traffic. Now you can find this podcast and you can dive deeper into blockchain trends on Cointelegraph magazine. Just go to www.cointelegraph.com magazine. Today, my guest is the artist Sunjay Lee. Hey, Sunjay, welcome to NFP. I'm so glad that you could join me despite our extreme time zone differences. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. It's uh, yeah, really excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, we, we're we literally on opposite ends of the world here. So you're in Korea, I'm in Western Canada. And so here I am early morning, you're there late night. And yes, uh, yeah, both. we managed to make it work. Yeah, yeah we're I'm both having, for different reasons. Yeah, I'm having my coffee, kind of wiping the, the sleep out of my eyes. <laughs> but I'm guessing you're a little tired from, uh, you were just telling me about this project that you just launched. This project URS, that looks pretty awesome. I have to say, I've always enjoyed this kind of art where it's kind of creepy, but kind of beautiful. That's that's my vibe. So that was really cool. What was your involvement in it? Yeah, thank you. It was, um, we Maybe just tell me the, the title the... of the project. I, I, oh, I don't sure, know sure. if I mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, it is the the project yours, uh, URS. And mm -hmm. it's just kind of a play on words. I think the acronym expands to like, underground robogenetics specialist uh, I, okay. I forget actually but it's designed to sound like you know yours as in like possessive yours mm -hmm. um, and as you said they're kind of like uh kind of like tim burton-ish like creepy uh robots with half human features and and of course this as might be new... one of my favorite avatar collections i've seen yet honestly looking at it right now it's very cool yeah it's got some charm and it's it they does. did a lot of things differently, and uh, it's one of the only like three D animated a mm -hmm. Avatar projects. Um, but yeah, it was it was a whirlwind, but it's over. And uh, or, I mean, it's really it's just begun, I guess. But but we did like a, a raffle system for the entire drop, so there's no gas word at all. And uh, some, pe I mean, most people were really happy with it because they ended up paying just like. 30 bucks in gas and that's amazing course, so because normally for listeners if you've ever wondered like why the hell are gas fees like 2500 guay or something like that right now it's often because of these sort of 10,000 avatar projects launching and everybody's trying to buy them and so the entire blockchain gets bogged down but by the raffle system here you've basically made it that there's none of that competition for gas exactly and i don't know are you familiar with like the animators hmm no um Okay, well, the, it's a, a pixel artist, Gustavo, um, uh, I forget his last name, but he was my favorite pixel artist, and he did this uh, avatar project called the Animators, mm -hmm. and that was my very first um, thing that I kind of aped into for in terms of those large projects, okay. and it was my first gas war, and I remember I lost like 0. 0.2 ETH, uh, yeah, 0. 0.2 ETH, <laughs> and I was just so pissed. So somewhere I mean, around like $800 or something stupid. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't get it, and but I have been looking forward to the project for weeks, and then as soon as that happened, I was like, you know, uh, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. Yeah, or it's not, fine. But... I just put an explicit warning, so don't worry. <laughs> okay, everybody, explicit right. warning. <laughs> I was <laughs> just basically it's like, fuck this project. I just 
finding nothing to do with it. So you spent so, 0.2 ETH and you didn't even get a piece. But then they realized how pissed everybody was and okay. they gave everybody a free piece. Okay. So yeah. that kind of hurts but, the I mean, value, we, though, if they're, they're giving out pieces to everybody. Yeah, exactly. So I think everybody has an experience like that. So we're trying to avoid that, basically. And the, the developers came up with this really unique... As far as I know, we're the first one to do it and is relatively successful. Just Although say the first like... ones to do it. Everybody does that anyway. <laughs> Nobody checks. We're the yeah, first. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's there were some people who bought, like, I mean, there's some whales who came in and just put tons of ETH into the raffle. Mm. The total amount that was deposited was something ridiculous, like $40 million or something. Whoa. How yeah, many? This and, was a ten thousand thing, right? Right, right. Whoa! And of course, only a only a small portion of that got actually selected, and then the sure. rest got just returned back. But mm-hmm. like uh, you it put it in like a, a stake, almost like you stake it like a pool type idea. Exactly, it was like a deposit that yep. was, I guess, going into the contract. That, that's mm-hmm. how they're saying it, and then released once the raffle was over. Right. That's yeah. a clever way to do it. So, was there a gas spike when everybody was? getting into this pool then like i'm imagining there would still have been kind of high traffic times even with that or was that kind of spread over a period of time yeah you would think so we both i mean we had a period where it was like a 24-hour period but even at okay. the very beginning the gas fees was like 30 bucks so wow get 30 gas fees right now feels like so cheap i i was telling sanjay before the recording that my morning routine the first thing i look at on my phone is gas fees <laughs> when i wake up it's ridiculous yeah it's like the traffic on your morning commute these days yeah yes totally so this what i really like about this is first of all you do kind of nail that just that right mix between being like i was saying kind of creepy but also kind of cute but the animation right. really adds a lot to it it really does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Huh. I mean, we had a like really talented uh, 3D, or we have a really talented 3D animator. Uh, this guy named Autumn. Okay. And, yeah, he he's just a wizard, and he he takes. So I mean, it was a whole team of Korean artists and co-founders, and uh, and then most of them were 2D artists, and they came up with like the textures and the character design, and then he funneled it into this like 3D animation, and so yeah, it was like it's I don't know. In my mind, it's like. Korean ingenuity just like personified in a uh, avatar project you know it's I really like it so now of course these have all been minted they were all claimed yeah so people sorry but as of it unrevealed but yeah all claimed oh really they're not revealed yet right so when does that take place we're waiting for an answer from the they're like uploading the the mp4s to ipfs right now so it's gonna be so we're like right in the the thick of it right now yeah this just happened like a few hours ago okay 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 (laughs) okay so i'm very curious because you were saying these were minted at 0.08 eth right which is eh, i mean american dollars 250 bucks something like that yes yeah something like that yeah Yeah. um sorry i'm canadian so i usually (laughs) i have to convert twice yeah (laughs) And uh, that's, I mean, I can't see these. These are going to flip for a lot more, I would guess. Uh, yeah, what what, what is there in terms of attributes with these? Like, what's what's making them unique? Like, what's some of the special elements? 
involved with these? Um, there, there's like eight different variables in terms mm-hmm. of like the skin tone and the hats and eyes and you know, mm-hmm. and then the even the animations themselves are uh, variables that are randomized. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, uh, there are eight like actual like they call them super rare. I think it's a little bit of a bad name considering the platform, but. Um, <laughs> There's like eight that look just like super fancy, and everybody's gonna want those basically. And if oh, okay. if you happen to get one of those eight, then I'm sure they're gonna go for like fifty ETH at least or something. Eight out of ten thousand. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So That's yeah, that was a little wild. bit of a. I guess other projects have that kind of thing too, though, right? It's just like a, just a few like sure. really really special ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and was that done programmatically, or were they specifically like hand? created those those eight those eight were just hand like one of ones basically right yeah. huh very cool and so personally you're part of this can you talk about your part of this whole process in this particular project i wasn't actually a part of the team from the beginning uh, mm-hmm. but i know all these guys i mean they're my my friends and they're fellow nft artists here in korea and then i saw i, I honestly when i heard them talk about it at first i was like Okay, great. You know, good for you guys. Um, good luck. <laughs> and I didn't really, I didn't. You know, they they had no experience in this generative art thing, and okay. I, I wasn't particularly interested in in tagging along, and and they didn't ask me, so I, you know, there's no reason to. But then I saw the thing, and I was like, what the, like, what is this? And it's like so far beyond anything that I've it seen. It looks really professional. Like it looks really slick. Yeah, the dude, the 3D dude, he has access to uh, like a 3D render farm. I don't know what they call it, but uh, like one of the top uh, render farms in Korea. So I mean, he has access to like ridiculous amount of technology, and uh, and he's really talented. So so I basically forced myself onto the team at that point. Like, <laughs> You're like, hey guys, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't have like a native English speaker, and I I actually oh, okay. really love like marketing and networking and stuff so it was just natural fit you kind so of i didn't do any of the yeah. yeah i didn't do any of the art i just just did like uh moderating club clubhouse uh hosting and um yeah a lot of discord management mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you're like their marketing manager yeah, yeah yeah basically okay and how long of a campaign was this then ramping up to this day it was about uh, three weeks or so. See, that's yeah. the thing that blows my mind. <laughs> These things go from like zero to a hundred in that short amount of time. That's that's nuts. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, huh. they they had it in the works for like three months at of least. Course, you know, of course, of course. Yeah. Even three months though—that's not a long time. Yeah. yeah. For something I mean, of this it... magnitude, like if you look at the traditional. You know, if you were to try to create, say, some kind of collectible toys of some sort of ten thousand. Right. Right three months would be ridiculous there's just no yeah, way, yeah. right for more like three years yeah definitely. yeah yeah very cool yeah i really like that so that's called the project urs which i was yeah. double checking it's underground robo genetic survivalist <laughs> <laughs> and i really like the style so once these are revealed they're gonna pr- crop up on open sea and people are gonna start trading them they're being traded now, even unrevealed, and the floor price oh, okay. is around uh, 0.3. And the funny thing is that the mint passes that we use to kind of give away the, the pre-minting, um, there's only a 1,000 of those, and those are even higher because I guess they're more rare. 
even though they've already been used to mint explain them, this so. what do you what do you mean so we divided the 10,000 into 5,000 being pre-minted to our early adopters right. in discord through giveaways and um, you know just marketing yeah and we did that through a, just like a separate min pass NFT mechanism. So we, okay. we granted them the min pass, and then if you had that in your wallet, you could mint, mint on the website. Mm -hmm. But those min pass coins themselves have already been used, so they can't be used for anything. But we kind of hinted that they're going to be used in you know future utility in the roadmap, mm -hmm. and um, so people are just like holding onto these things, and the price for that is much higher than the yours themselves now. Okay, interesting. Any any hints you can drop about the utility in the future of the roadmap? You know, I actually have no idea because they're uh, they haven't shared that with me because I'm okay. So it's just top top secret. <laughs> even though even the marketing manager doesn't know. Yeah, I'm not part of the dev team, so um, and also I'm more of just like a consultant, I guess, and I'm helping okay. with several different projects. So yeah, I, I just gave you that title. That. Yeah, I gave you that yeah. title. <laughs> <laughs> so. You might have to get back to them and say, hey, um, I'm marketing manager now, so I should be in on the inside of these, you know, dev meetings, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's really cool. I really like it. Um, huh. Neat. Now, you, of course, you're all over the place. You're on known origin. I was noticing you also did a collaborative work with Sabet, Ali Sabet, which was a lovely piece. Thank you. And yes. uh, Matt, why don't I have a look at that right now a minute? Now, your name on Known Origin is Fermata. Do you want to talk about that with your musical background? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, as you said, I, I kind of wore a lot of different hats. And one of the things I did the longest was as a jazz musician, which I started in middle school. So it's been, I don't know, uh, 25 years or so. Mm -hmm. Jazz saxophone. And um, yeah, I've been playing. Not, I never majored in it, but I studied at uh, you know various music schools growing up and uh, I don't know, performed regularly, um, released multiple albums, and I have my own record label. So, yeah, it's just a big part of my life, and I still mm -hmm. perform uh, at least once a month. And, oh, really? Um, yeah. You've been uh, able to do but, that even with all this COVID stuff? You've still been able to perform? Korea has been pretty good about it, and almost okay. nothing has completely shut down in Korea. Um, okay. It's been okay. really, really strange. Um, but, uh, yeah, so even during COVID, uh, the music scene has been actually not 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 really that bad. Hmm. But um, for people who are familiar, the fermata symbol, it's uh, if you come across it in sheet music, then you're able to pause for an indefinite amount of time. And I'm using that as kind of like a overarching philosophical statement about, you know, just pausing. Um, so I call it seeking the therapeutic pause. And then I try to aspire to, um, I aspire to kind of portray this in my music and then also in the art with this kind of mis minimalist Asian aesthetic. And and then my, my full-time job is I'm actually a, a, a naturopath and acupuncturist, and I run a sports medicine cl clinic for expats here in Korea. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course, that also applies to the, the wellness aesthetic as well. That's awesome. So what brought you into this space then? Like, how did you move from being in kind of a you know, naturopathic medicine space into creating these artworks? Well, I was always, you know, just still doing this, running this clinic as my full-time thing and uh, always kind of juggling these two hobbies, jazz and uh, painting on the side. But uh, in the 
in the previous years, I kind of shifted more towards the music uh, just because, I don't know, I got a little bit busier, moved into a smaller apartment, I had a kid. So the, the mm -hmm, painting mm -hmm. part became just like a little bit less um, feasible. Right. But I, I did get an iPad. So I basically transitioned totally digitally. But then when you're doing digital painting, there's there's almost no uh, good venue for it. You know, you can't like send it to galleries. And uh, if you if you post it online, then, you know, that that's great. But it's not it's not really that satisfying and end goal. So, yep, I kind of just naturally shifted towards focusing more on music. And then that's when I saw this photographer, uh, Noe Alonzo here in Korea. And he started posting about this NFT thing. And at first I was like, what, what is this? And it seemed really, really strange. But um, at, like many other people, I first got attracted to the financial aspect. I was of like, I saw him like sell a photo for $5,000. I was like, what? Okay. I got to find out more about this. <laughs> and I looked at like foundation platform and uh -huh. I was like, man, my, my paintings are way better than this. I could be like a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So then I, you know, I, I listed, I, I got a foundation invite from Noe and I listed like five, five mm -hmm. NFTs immediately and they didn't sell for like three weeks. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. And, um, <laughs> and I realized I was doing everything just totally wrong. And not only the way that I was doing it, but like my motivations and everything. Okay. I w I'm really curious to hear from your perspective, what were the things you were doing wrong? Because a lot of people are entering the space. They listen to this podcast because they're curious about it what was your experience that you say, Oh, well, I wouldn't do this. If I had another go at it, what would you have done differently? Yeah. I wrote an article about this and uh, I'm happy to share this mm -hmm. with you, but almost everything, I, I think I did everything, <laughs> <laughs> everything wrong. You know, the number one of like the, um, you got to build a community first before you drop yeah. and you got to market before it drops. But I didn't do that. You know, I dropped and then I tried to like, hide. And you're like, afterwards. hello. Yeah. <laughs> And the, like I said, the motivation was just, it's just not, I think it's just something that we all go through as new NFT artists. Like mm -hmm. we're just so enamored with the fact of like, okay, I could, I could make a thousand dollars of uh, just easily just through selling this one thing. And then we come into the space with such avarice and just this greed that, that just consumes our motivation. And, and then we kind of let go of our artistic process and then and then we don't sell because obviously the people who see this posting, they can tell that we're just doing it for the money. <laughs> and then we're forced to confront our motivations and be like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm an artist and I shouldn't so be So communicate like this. this to me. How is it that you feel that greed kind of comes through in your delivery? I'm curious. Uh, me personally or just like... Yeah, well, you know, you're saying people can perceive that. I'm curious how you feel people perceive that. Well, for example, if you don't have, if you don't build up an organic Twitter presence, and if you mm -hmm. if you go to somebody's Twitter profile and they're not making these connections with the community and interacting with mm -hmm. other people, and they just blast their own artwork and you know say the you know I have this piece up for on foundation for three point three ETH, and then they're just blasting all the shell threads and even <laughs> all the fake hopping in everyone else's threads with their with their sales. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's just so transparent. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's just so easy to, to tell just what people's motivations are. Yeah, and then it's you a see delicate them, like... balance though, because there is a part of it where I mean, let's face it, you are doing this for an income of sorts, right? And that in and of itself is not equivalent to being greedy, right? 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 
yeah, it's a, it's definitely a fine balance, but in the in the sense of it being a balance, like I think what the cases that we're talking about is are the extremely unbalanced uh, sides, you know, where we're just thinking about the the money and not about mm-hmm. the art itself. In terms of like the product process scale, this is all like the pro- product uh, side of things and no process, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we realize that we're doing that, and then we have to shift back to the process, and then you know we learn about the the patients and building community part. Mm-hmm. So that definitely happened to me. So what have you done that you found has been effective for building community? Well, I started over completely. I actually burned all the NFTs oh, really? and just yeah, oh, started wow. fresh. Um, and then I really connected with the Korean NFT NFT community here, which is like super tight knit and organized and. Um, and as one of the only people who is like a native English speaker, I, I kind of um, immediately filled some kind of like a role of, you know, like clubhouse meetings, for example, like I, I host, mm-hmm. I, I still host a lot of like artist spotlights and um, especially for people who can't speak uh, English um, fluently. So I started doing just like a lot of community events and, okay. um, and even like hosting big collectors into our Korean NFT club and like introducing them to the, the Korean artists. And, and yeah, just from there, I just really started to meet tons of people just not only in Korea, but also just globally. And yeah, so now I would say, um, I mean, I, I really love this kind of networking and meeting new people and totally. So it's just, yeah, it's, it feels pretty natural. This podcast has been my networking medium. Honestly, it's, Nice. I mean, that wasn't the primary goal of it, but it's it's been a really good result of it is that I, I've gotten to know a lot of wonderful people via the podcast. So, Yeah, um, I'm so glad you asked me because I had no idea like who you are before uh, talking <laughs> right, to you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just no, you're it, a really great artist. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Um, I just find it's just a great way to connect with people because, you know, there's something more like okay great you're on twitter and you tweet hey nice work or you know blah 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 that's not connecting the same way as actually having a conversation with somebody right so, yeah absolutely yeah it's it's a lot uh it's a lot more engaging for me but also i think you know ho- the hope is that people listening can also you know gain something from it right but i mean i'll be honest there's, the selfish motivation is i'm getting to know a lot of people in the in the industry too right so you know, that's obviously a beneficial thing to me. So it's it's been really great for just getting to know the community and connecting. And of course, Clubhouse has a similar kind of um, goal for you, I'm sure, is you've made those connections via, via that tool. Right, absolutely. And I think there's something uh, kind of refreshing about actually not having the video and just listening to people's voices in this mm. day and age and mm-hmm. having to having to really actually um, take in people's essence without kind of judging their exterior. So that was, it's, that was really interesting. Uh, interesting experience in clubhouse. See, I have a little yeah. bit of a harder time with the live, like with clubhouse, I find it's a little bit more anxiety inducing. Did you find that at first when you were on clubhouse and it's like, okay, here I am live with all these people listening to me. Like I know with the podcast, I can just like delete something if I say something (laughs) stupid. (laughs) (laughs) What what, what was your experience with that at first? Because there was probably people going, yeah, you know, I should maybe try that, you know, hosting a clubhouse or Twitter spaces or whatever. It was horrible at first. (laughs) I mean, I 
I, I'm a jazz musician. I play, uh, you know, in front of thousands of people sometimes and talk in front of thousands. And it's not, I'm kind of used to it now. And, um, but when I first came at the clubhouse, it was just like, it's one of the most nerve wracking things, you know? Uh And, uh, cause you're, it's unfamiliar and you're just not used to speaking into this vast unknown, like this abyss where there's all Mm -hmm. these like voices popping up and, um, yeah, it's just like, it's, it almost feels like going back to middle school again in the cafeteria (laughs) or something, you know? So it's really terrifying. a, A poster presentation in class. I think it's even worse. I think it's literally more like the, the not even the classroom, but the cafeteria, you know, Okay. where, where people are like self-congregating and you, you, if you make the wrong move or say the wrong thing, you get left out immediately. And... Right. I think the strange part for me on Clubhouse, though, is everyone else is muted, of course, normally yeah. when you're talking. And so you're talking, like you said, into an abyss of sorts because you have no idea how people are actually responding to what you're saying, right? There's this blankness there. And so, you know, sometimes you'll kind of just keep talking and go, am I getting my idea across? I don't even know because there's no sense of like feedback to it. That's still a little jarring for me. I find that a little strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a weird, weird thing. But then once you get used to it, it was like by far the the greatest like marketing tool that that I I experienced, Mm -hmm. definitely. So are you still holding these clubhouses regularly? Like where would people find it? Yeah. I mean, uh, before this project years collectible thing, I was, uh, I was still doing it like almost every week with highlighting artists or collectors or, um, just various events in the mm-hmm. Korean NFT club on clubhouse with, um, Dong Lee, uh, Dong Lee Han. It was like the, the one who founded that club and she's also like me, uh, Korean, but bilingual. Mm-hmm. So we would kind of like co-host these uh, these rooms together, but she's also doing her own um, collectible series, um, and I should plug that too because it's pretty amazing. It. It's called uh, Space Inmates. Space uh, it's totally, Inmates. Yeah, uh, it's totally different than Project Gears. It's not 3D or animated, but they're really kind of silly and charming, uh, cartoony characters, uh, kind of like half alien robot spaceship kind of thing. Cool. And the storyline is really good. It's really silly and uh, silly, but it's uh, it's there's some depth to it, and I think they're going to go far. They're they're uh, they're setting their roots in, and they're about to <clears throat> they're about to take off. I think it's interesting, you know, because we have so many of these kind of collectible things coming out, yet there seems to be plenty of room for them. You know what I mean? Like you'd think it would be like another 10,000 avatar thing and people would be like nope not interested yet there still seems to be like an appetite for it and it just seems like there's plenty of space for more and more and more of them well i think part of that is like the, the prospect of flipping for i mean sure i think there's space for more every week but then the the ones that are not successful just they just tank you know and then people just forget about them yeah that's but, a fair uh, point yeah, I, but I think that there's there's always more space for authentic uh, ones that are really trying to build the community. I mean, like Oni was definitely a great example of that. Uh, it was the art. I feel like I don't know what you feel about this, but I, I like the art definitely. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel like the art merited the same amount of hype that it did. And I think they. What was this project called? Oh, uh, it's called. I guess it's spelled like zero and one and it's pronounced Oni. Okay. 
you oh, know, well. as much as I try to keep up with everything, I I don't keep up with everything, so I I don't even know about this one. Oh well, okay. Well, this is a quite I a big feel, collectible. I feel bad, but... <laughs> no, no problem. Um, this was not in my sphere, but it was run by a lot of uh, kind of major figures in the NFT, at least clubhouse scene. Mm-hmm, um, okay, I've uh, got it here on my screen. Yeah. Oh, and, I uh, recognize these. I've seen these. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. just didn't recall the name. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry, go on. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I, I, I like, I really like the artist. I mean, before Oni, I, I respected him. And, uh, mm-hmm. but, I, you know, for the floor to go to 7 ETH um, almost immediately, that, I feel like that showed how much the, the community building efforts that um, JR, I think, was in charge of the marketing and, Mm-hmm. He just did just an incredible job with certain things in the Discord and the the viral marketing and mm-hmm. and also like building the community. That um, so yeah, there's always room room for projects like that if they really um, they're willing to set their their uh, put their claws in and they put it put their roots in the ground and then people can sense that kind of authenticity. I think. Oh yeah, I've, uh, these are very cool. You know, it's funny I see so many, but I didn't catch the name of it. These are yeah. These are, yeah, the floor on these is climbing. Huh. What's the floor at right well, now? 1.64 ETH right now. Well, uh, I mean, they got to 7 ETH, like, uh, between 7 and 8 ETH uh, within the, a week or so, and then they've been kind of declining since then. Okay. I think... Is that I normal? Probably, it seems to be, yeah. I mean, in the in the week after release, they, people, you know, the hype is at its peak, and then mm-hmm. the price goes up, and then... As other projects come in in the pipeline, then they, people forget and it, it kind of gradually goes away. Have you that known Have you known individuals who've been part not to name names, but have you known people or teams behind failed projects like this, where they you know put in months of work and pfft, nothing happened? I can't personally um, think of anyone, but of course. Yeah, I don't know anybody personally. I mean. One that comes to mind is like the the Yetis, I guess, that mm, was mm-hmm. quite hyped up and mm-hmm. people were really excited about them at the time. And then they revealed and people saw that they're actually kind of shitty, like the, the 2D, <laughs> the 3D rendering, yes. and a lot of pixelation. And and now the floor price is really quite low and they, okay. they're kind of like mocked. And I feel pretty bad for them, actually. But well, that, yeah, you that, think of the work and the time and the amount of people involved in these things. Right, right, right. Yeah. Huh. It does seem there's like the... there's a lot okay. of risk there, right? In terms of you don't know if this is going to click. And I mean, how much in terms of resources is being put into this beforehand? You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I mean, I just thought of the, uh, do you know about the Fame Lady fame lady yes. Squad? Yes. <laughs> the, the whole, whole like. That uh, was a fiasco, eh? Yeah, that was so incredible. It ended up being like a team of what was it, like Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was girls. like three Russian guys, I think, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So <clears> heading <throat> to be woman and. Yeah, that was really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, it got in a sense, back, maybe but... it has a collectible element to it because of the the kind of story behind it too, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. That's what people were saying, and and then digital art chick kind of revived it, and now it's on mm-hmm. a different care. Yeah, but I mean that story, even though it's kind of got some negativity to it it still adds a bit of a charm to it in a sense 
I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's always that aspect of like being the first, like you're saying, and and they were they they could claim being like the first one that was like <laughs> revealed to be a scam and then rescued by Archic and. <laughs> We were a total disaster. <laughs> Highly collectible. First total disaster. <laughs> oh, man. So then uh, I'm going to move on to uh, your Fermata Wellness on OpenSea yeah. work because you've got some beautiful work here. Oh, and thank you. Uh, it's, it's very... Um, I, the title is perfect. Like Fermata is perfect. It's just the kind of a moment where you can just pause and enjoy it. A lot of them have like musical elements to them, like a brief animation of some sort, a little loop kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them are just still images, right? Yeah, most the OpenSea stuff is mostly still images. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to kind of separate with the other platforms. So mm -hmm. Foundation, I'm trying to do a little bit more animation and OpenSea mostly uh, still images, either one of one or three of three. And then uh, mm -hmm. Known Origin, mostly collaborations. Okay, I see. Interesting. Yeah, I find my organization of what goes in which platform is not optimal. <laughs> Part of it being, uh, I've personally changed kind of my style and genres quite a lot over the last yeah. year or so. And so I have remnants from past stuff that just does not fit in with my current stuff at all. You know, I'm going to be checking out your work uh, while we're talking uh, as well. Yeah, <laughs> and some of my older stuff I look at, and I'm, it's like completely different. Like I started doing stuff like where I would zombify people and turn them into these ridiculous-looking zombies, and I've kind of moved like on your, from that. Is that like your profile picture now? Or yeah, yes. Okay, okay. nice. <laughs> and I kind of, I at one point in time, I did a series of zombie punks, and I made, I only made like twenty of them, right? Okay. But, yeah. It's, um, but anyway, yeah, that's kind of uh, past history now. I do still bring up zombies once in a while, though. I'll, I'll have like beautiful zombies or, you know, pop art zombies, things like that, because they are fun to draw. But, um, oh, yeah, I don't. Prolific. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, I, I oh. make a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Some say too much, but I'm like, whatever. I just keep making them. I love it, you know, so. Yeah, that's the, the Sabet way, right? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it's about, in like you were talking about the greed versus, you know, the other reasons for doing it. And of course, right. making money is great, right? Um, being able to create art and have people buy it is amazing, right? Um, right. But I've come to a point where I just, I love making them, you know? I just make them because it's fun to make them. And yeah, great. If someone buys it, that's awesome, you know? But uh, yeah, you kind of get, I, I think it's true. You can get trapped in that money motivation, especially in the early days. Like when you've made a few right. sales, then you're like, yes, more money, you know? <laughs> All right. But... It's like Gollum in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Precious Ethereum. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's funny. I sold a piece. I had left a piece up. It was a Mike Pence piece. Oh, yeah. uh, and the joke was I did all these politicians as zombies, right? So I had like Trump as a zombie, Joe Biden as a zombie. And uh, for whatever reason, the Mike Pence one never sold. And then this morning I looked and someone bought it with trash, oh, yeah. which I have a few pieces lying around that I've sold in the trash currency. Robness, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. 
but no. uh, Rob Ness uh, was an art, is an artist who is behind the whole trash movement scene in the art scene. If you've if you've never checked it out, you've got to check into the trash movement. Okay, and, he's the OG, uh, right? He is. Yeah, he basically created the movement. He was mm. kicked off of Super Rare because he took a picture of a trash can from Home Depot and you know turned it into a pop art image. Okay. And Super Rare didn't want to get sued by whoever, Home Depot oh. or whatever. And so they were like, nope, you can't have that on our platform. And oh, uh, wow. and they booted him off the platform over it. And so he started this whole trash art scene where he was just making art of trash cans and stuff. And, of course, that became very popular. And uh, then he made a social token called Trash. Oh. And, yeah, so <laughs> this is like months and months and months later someone bought that pence 2020 piece with trash so it's actually a very <laughs> successful amazing. social token i think they're trading at about 70 or 80 dollars a piece right now wow. so okay. which is rare most social tokens do not keep value like that over time most of them it's rare for them to really hold value hmm. so i was pleasantly surprised when i was like oh hey someone bought it with trash that's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah congratulations <laughs> yeah but no it, go it goes back to your point about you know you can be kind of um what's the word it, you can get tunnel vision when right. it comes to the whole money side of it right and uh i think there comes a point where you go you know what the money's cool but i was saying this i forget to whom the other day i was like if you don't love it though it's there's an there's gonna it's not gonna work you know like you have to love creating this stuff, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I just got to say, I love your Evaporation series. This is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that kind of came out of when everything here was shutting down and I was kind of bemoaning the possibility of never getting to see these places, you know, and mm. uh, a number of them are from photographs I took. Some of them are just royalty-free pictures. Um, and then I just did a corruption process. And basically the goal was to make all the people there evaporate. Okay. So if you gotcha. look at them, the crowds themselves are like breaking apart, disappearing kind of idea. So nice. it was kind of that notion, like seeing pictures of like Times Square with like nobody in it, you know, which was very eerie when that first came on the news. So yeah, that just got really me thinking it. about places like Paris, the Eiffel Tower and like nobody being there, you know, or whatever. Mm. I want to interview you, interview you on this podcast instead of the other way around. <laughs> I've been interviewed on a few occasions, you know, it's, and you know, being that you're a clubhouse host, you're used to that as well. Hey, All right, so, right. I love interviewing people. It's fun. You know, that's where, cause I started writing for Cointelegraph. And so then I got into the interviewing and I really enjoyed that. So that's what nice. motivated me to do the podcast. Yeah. But let's get back to you though. <clears throat> okay. It's supposed to be about you. Hey, we can go back and forth. I'm totally fine with that, too. <laughs> All right. With these pieces on Fermata Wellness, yeah. um, you're continuing to create this collection? Or is this like a, kind of a sealed off and finished thing? Or what's happening there? Yeah. I'm, uh, about a month ago, I suddenly, after more or less having a very, very slow pace of sales, I suddenly started to get an influx of collectors, mostly on OpenSea. Um, and 
I have the good fortune of basically every time I post, I sell out immediately now on OpenSea. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm actually shifting my focus from foundation and own origin to making this kind of um, this OpenSea collection. And it actually suits me a little bit better because I, I tend to do more minimalist paintings and finish them in about like an hour or two. And mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I mean, I, I do enjoy the process of making like laboring over a piece for a couple of weeks and then making this masterpiece. And yeah, uh, I think I'll still do that. But my process is a little bit closer to just like, you know, really just putting it out there in one take and then, uh, you know, putting to choosing the best one and putting it out on uh, OpenSea, selling it for a reasonably uh, a reasonable price, allowing even yeah. artists to, to buy it. And then um, what I'm going to do is actually I've. This is like uh, still in the works, but I'm going to take, I have an edition of 50 here called uh, Not All Who Wonder Are Lost. And it's supposed to go to my first 50 collectors as like a collector airdrop, basically. Mm -hmm. But I'm making that into a kind of like a token key that allows you to go into this private Discord. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to limit that just to those 50 people. And of course, among those 50, there's people who don't even use Discord. So it's going to be more like uh, 20 people, I would assume. Sure. And in that 20 person, very exclusive channel, I'm going to give like exclusive drops. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'll okay. keep the, the floor price really low, like, you know, less than 0.2. So then they can just resell it for much higher, get the benefit. Uh, I'm going to give them airdrops. Um, one of the first things I'm going to do is actually uh reserve the last five that haven't sold of those uh those keys themselves and then give them extra copies so that they can sell those and um i'm gonna give one of my years to them so i'm just gonna just spoil the hell out of them and uh make everybody want one of those 50 keys basically right so no that's, that's smart you know you're using the tools you're using discord you're using clubhouse in ways that kind of builds up a community around you that's cool that's the plan it hasn't i haven't started it yet but i've been yep. you know observing different communities and the way right. that people do it and uh that's that's what i want to do i don't want to manage this uh huge discord community of people who don't even know each other that yeah uh, i, hear I mean that's what i did in project years uh, that's mm -hmm. what i'm doing and it's it's fun and there's there's great benefits to that too, but it's just, it takes so much time and energy. You know? sure, I'd rather just, just uh, spoil a few people and just have it be like really tight knit. Well, and then it's more manageable too, right? It's not consuming your day. Right. I mean, you, you are also working full time. Are you not as a naturopath? As acupuncturist? I am, but these days it might as well just be like, I go to the office and just do NFT stuff most of the time. So, <laughs> also. Well, I'm uh, I'm a manager. That's my first my full time thing. Okay. So it's very flexible to begin with. So I'm you know just going and like doing marketing and similar to what I did for Project Years. I'm like the marketing manager of this clinic, okay. and then I resolve like customer service issues and and then I see a few patients on the side basically. So just like okay. five a week or so. Okay. So my schedule is really flexible, and during the day that that ends up being like I'm doing many different things some of which is nft related i don't know who's <laughs> it's, gonna <laughs> it's like your dream job you're just hanging out there making nfts all day <laughs> yeah I, I don't know who's gonna listen to this uh, i don't want to say exactly how much percentage but they all were wondering what you were doing in your office by yourself <laughs> behind closed doors now they know <laughs> 
Well, they really know because I've spread it in my office place like a virus, and now everybody's just either either they're like making NFTs themselves or they're like collecting them. Okay, like, really? Them. So it's caught on there. People are just rabid about it. I mean, not everybody, really? but yeah, because they they saw what I did, and I I mean, there's this really crazy thing where I you know on cyber. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, they had, they had like uh, limited destinations, um, like uh, Genesis. There's only like 33 of those. And mm -hmm. I, I got one of those and mm -hmm. um, I was using it for just like a virtual gallery, having a great time. And I got it for like point two, I don't know, point one ETH at the time. Cheap. And then, yeah. And then those skyrocketed and I ended up selling it for 19 ETH. <laughs> Not and, bad. Yeah. Oh man. And my co uh, my coworkers got wind of that and they're like, "What the fuck? Okay, let's get into this <laughs> NFT thing." So now they're all just into it. That's cool though because I found actually I I do have a few colleagues, I'm a teacher, right? I do have a few colleagues at work who are getting into it, but there's a lot of hesitation, a lot of resistance, you know? And I'm like, "Yeah. You're going to get into it someday." <laughs> you are like people will be buying nfts all these people who are like nah i don't want to it's gonna come to a point where it's like yeah you're going to that's what i tell my musician friends i, I told them like you know you're gonna be making nfts in three years and you just don't know it so you just yeah. you better just, might as well just get started early so that you can get a, a head start and be more one of the more valuable ones you know or at least buying and selling and holding them yeah right not everybody's necessarily going to create them but it's yeah, going to yeah. be just but, a part of, you know, everyday, you know, consumer behavior. I think so. And, but I mean, especially if you, if you are an artist, then yeah, and if you really know what NFTs are, then you'd be like, it, it's just not a wise choice to not do NFTs if you're an artist, you know? Totally. I, I, I really think in, in three years, three years is like the figure that comes into my, my mind, like in my gut, like everybody's going to be doing NFTs. It doesn't or it's just a like, normal thing, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be weird if you're not doing NFTs in three years. You know? Right. You'll have to be like 80 years old or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and now like even entering it, it's it's pretty accessible now. Like if you look at, say, OpenSea, okay, you have to pay for the store. How does that work now? Because I set mine up so long ago, I don't even know. What was your experience with, can you talk about how does a person get set up on OpenSea? Because I'm guessing it's changed since I did it. I opened mine up quite a long time ago. Did as you? Well. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, I, I don't think it's changed much. I mean, I, I think I paid like a one-time fee back then of like, uh, I don't remember. It might have been like 0.1, like one-time fee to set it up. And then yeah, after that, it's I, almost I feel like straight. it ends up, it's somewhere around 70 or 80 bucks or something like that. I don't know if it's quite 0.1. I could be wrong, though. Maybe really. it is higher now. I don't remember. Yeah, you're probably right. And yeah, as I mean, far as I know, you basically, you pay that, that's like your store. Okay. Right. Then you have to mint like your first piece, I believe, because it's all 1155 now, as far as I know. What is that? The, is that the, the ERC token, token you know? I'm not sure. Okay. I don't have the technical knowledge of that stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, basically, once you're set up with that first piece, after that, I believe everything after that is a free mint on the part of the yeah. creator. So you're looking right. at an initial cost, probably under $200 US-ish. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, and if you think anything, if you think after that, you're minting as much as you, well, you're not minting, you're creating on the platform and the buyer is minting after that. Right. 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 Like, is there another type of art that has that low of a cost to it? Really? I mean, people will look at that and go, Ooh, gee, $200 to get started. It's like, yeah, but think about it. If you were doing traditional art, like you have to pay for materials, like make, you know, get your canvas, get your paint, get your whatever, ship it, you know, like it's, it's much more affordable. So it's interesting how people look at that and see it as a barrier, but in reality, it's very, very affordable. Or for example, I'm sponsored by the Koi Network. Like the Koi Network, it's literally free. Like you go on there and it's got a free faucet. You click the free faucet. You confirm you're a real person with like a Twitter verification thing. Where Have you ever seen that where you're like, hi, I'm a real person, blah, 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 oh, on yeah. Twitter or something, you know? So you confirm <laughs> it. And then it, it's a faucet that goes directly to this wallet and you can just create for nothing, right? Nice. So there's a lot of... Uh, tools out there i feel like open seas and uh koi are kind of the night one of the, some of the nicer places to start because really the barrier is pretty low to getting started and uh but i think you make a good point i think probably getting yourself connected and networked first is probably a good move yeah i mean i think the easiness of setting up and the relative cheapness is actually a little bit misleading because mm -hmm. uh, i mean it's accurate and it can mislead artists uh, because it's just so easy to make NFTs um, in theory. But then there's, uh, I've, I've tried to onboard artists uh, around me and they always make the same mistake that I do, which is just that I did, which is just like without making a community, just throw up the NFT and, um, yeah. and then expect that the platform will have this like algorithm that shows people the NFT, but it just doesn't happen, you know? No, nope. you just there's... disappear in a deluge. Yeah, I mean, there's just statistically no way for anybody to see it unless they have a link to it. So I think people just, uh, yeah, when when we're first getting started, there's this myth of like the platform will save you and you just got to get on the right platform and and then people will see the value of your art and they just won't be able to resist buying it. <laughs> it's just, so, it's just uh, totally the opposite, you know? Well, and I've seen it with new people where they'll come in and, uh, you know, they'll put up an NFT and they don't know anybody and they'll put it up for like one ETH or something, right. you know, and it's like, do you really think that's going to sell for $3,000 when nobody does, <laughs> nobody even knows who you are, you know? Right. So there is, and I think part of it comes from these stories people see on the news where, you know, somebody sells something for a million dollars or... 69 million dollars or whatever and so then they think oh it's only three thousand dollars like you know right. compared to what i'm seeing in the news that's you know really cheap right so yeah exactly there's kind of a skewed perception of reality there i think yeah and i think people look at the they'll, they'll go to a platform and they'll see a piece of art and they say like oh this sold for three thousand dollars and my my piece is as good as this one so i'll just list it like that you know so yeah 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 and, <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, you have that whole side of it where I feel like people kind of want to get to know who the artist is before they invest in them, right? Like, that's a Absolutely. really important part. So yeah. you can have wonderful artwork, but if nobody knows you or has any sense of who you are, it's going to be really tough to sell it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've i actually... Uh, become much more of a collector than uh, artist actually and i've Is that collected right? yeah i've collected uh i don't know maybe 130 
uh, paint, you know, NFTs of other people. And uh, that's, that's the first thing that I do when I'm look, looking at the person's piece is just like, you know, you look at the piece and if you like it, then you just go to their Twitter and Instagram and see their trajectory and right. see how they uh, interact with the community. And so it almost like, and, and I've bought pieces that I actually, actually don't like, but I want to support the artist. And right. I just, I really just love the artist and what they do in the community. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But visually speaking, I actually don't like the piece, but oh. yeah. See, I, I, I kind of go the opposite. I'll sometimes see on Twitter somebody who's new-ish hmm. that I just really like their art, right? And I'll be honest, I, I don't always even really know, you know, if they're entirely legit. So I try my best to kind of go, okay, is this the real artist? Is this person, are they just copying somebody? You know how that happens, right? Where, yeah, yeah. you know, it'll be somebody taking somebody else's work and like, I don't know changing one element in it or something right right um or not kinda, even changing it yeah and just putting their name on it you know and just kind of try to make sure it's legitimate and i just kind of like the ones that are like almost completely unknown like they're brand new yeah. they haven't sold anything right and just finding some like that and going oh i really like this one like there was one last week i think it was i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little plug here because i really like their art um yeah, let me see what's their name again i think it was Mark VS here. Let me share this one with you because I thought this was cool. And, uh, you know, on Twitter, if you just type in Mark M A R C V S. Okay. Um, yeah, I can throw the link to you. Um, oh, yeah. I just really like their style. I really like the work. Oh yeah. Nice. And the artists hadn't had any sales yet. Like they were brand new. Yeah. And I was just like, I just really think this is cool. So um, I bought one of their pieces on OpenSea that I just really oh, like. Yeah. I just love the, uh, the just the, the, the line strokes, just the, the free, freeness of it, the, the motion in it. And uh, oh, I feel like these are, what, these are the kind of artists that I just kind of like finding these little hidden gems where I go, ah, oh, this, this person is going to be making some cool stuff you know and yeah, so yeah, absolutely i enjoy that so i'm not necessarily spending thousands of dollars collecting i'm finding ones that are like 0.1 eth or whatever and going oh yeah, i think yeah. that's a cool one right you know so the one that i picked up is uh hunger as a weapon of mass destruction okay i'm looking at that yeah yeah, these are gorgeous. It's, it almost reminds me of the ghosts artists. Yeah. I just but really like, love these. They're cool. I might have to yeah. pick up another one at some point. <laughs> quite reasonably priced. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? This person is doing it the right way. They're starting with it, modestly yeah. priced, um, focused on the art, you know, and uh, they're also on foundation. Hicket Nunk. I've kind of... I've kind of left Hicket Nunk behind. I don't know. I just, uh, I did do some creations on there, um, but then they had that whole fiasco where it kind of got borked, and I really haven't touched it much since then. Oh, I, don't yeah. know. I don't know if you're ever part of Tezos or not, but. Just Calament, but yeah, I just did one one, uh, one hit on there, and then uh, I haven't done it. But um, hey, I got a question for you, actually. Okay, sure. So in your opinion, 
uh, so I'm a little bit surprised to see all of these not uh, not being sold. I mean, especially because you, someone like you, have already uh, noticed them and presumably probably you know marketed him in various ways. And um, the pieces are all are there are are they all one of ones? No, oh, they're multiples. Okay, yeah, you're talking about okay, Mark VS okay. still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you look on Foundation though. They've had more success there. Like, there's a number of pieces there that have sold since. So why? What, in your opinion, like, why do you think he's not? Well, he's as... sold way back in June or July already. Okay, so they have had a presence on Foundation for some time. Maybe they just more recently switched to OpenSea. Ah, oh, okay. Interesting. Because these are one of ones, of course, so they're a little more pricey. Ah, uh, let's see, let's see. So it looks like the OpenSea collection is newer. Like if oh, you look see, at the, the 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 dates on the open sea pieces, yeah, they're fairly. Oh, new. just two days ago. Yeah. Gotcha. Or some of them are like eleven days ago. Oh, okay. okay. So to, it looks like the the open sea pieces are are newer. Got it. Yeah, but the foundation pieces have done really well. The thing about foundation though is, like you were saying, you know, open sea kind of gives you that freedom you know, to make pieces that hmm. don't have to be priced as high. Right, right. Yeah. So in terms of your question was, sorry, I kind of got off track there. Uh, well, I think you answered it, but uh, yeah, just like what, in your opinion, why is he not more successful on OpenSea? But it hmm. seems like it's just uh, more, that uh, he started on Foundation and he's just kind of transitioning over to OpenSea, so. Looks like it, yeah. I mean, foundation definitely for new people is more daunting because you do have to pay so many more fees and higher commission. And um, so it makes sense to me that a person would move to somewhere like OpenSea once they have kind of a presence. Right. So, but I, I really love this style. It's cool. Yeah. I've yeah, tried doing it. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't pull it off like this. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> I have some pieces here and there where they're kind of like a scribbly style, which is similar in some ways, but um, I still tend to be more on the pretty side of things, whereas hmm. this is more, I don't know how to describe it. I just like the expressiveness of it. Yeah, there's a rawness, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Any artists you want to plug that you've come across recently? Oh man, there's so many. Yeah, I want to talk pick about one or two. This, pick uh... one or two that you've come across recently that you really like. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I always really love plugging this one artist. Um, I'm gonna send you it here mm -hmm. on Twitter. Her name is Biju Park, and she has this character named Pilly. Uh, I'm just gonna send it to you here. Sure. And she is this shy woman from the Korean countryside who does not speak English, mm. but she's making these car these cartoons that portray like um, drug dealing in American culture, mm. and <clears throat> it's like this whole universe that she's created of this character Pil Pilly that <laughs> has these pills that allow you to work really hard, but then if you have too much, then you melt into this like pink blob. Um, and it goes much deeper than that but the images themselves are they're 
they're what you'd expect to see from like a, a I don't know, like a Brooklyn hip hop artist. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're awesome. Yeah, and they're just she's insanely talented. But again, she she doesn't speak any English. She's never been to the states, uh, but she's uh, and she was like about to actually give up uh, her artist career completely before oh, NFTs. Wow. And then she was like, ah, what the heck? I'll just try NFTs and yeah. um, connected with the, the Korean community. And then, you know, I met her through that. And and I've been trying to push the hell out of her uh, ever since then, because I, I, I really love pushing, um, especially shy, talented artists who don't speak English, because right. otherwise they're just not going to get out there. So she's recently started to get some good success on Known Origin and <laughs> the big collector Gabriel Santos started to notice mm -hmm. her, and um, he's a collector of Mr. Misang, and uh, yeah, turned into a good friend of mine as well. And yeah, so she's getting some success, but I always try to plug her because she's always just in her her own shell and not really promoting herself. But if you, you know guys what? Are, when I look yeah. at her work here, I look and I go, "How did she get this loop so perfect to show on Known Origin?" Because whenever I try to do stuff like that, something about it doesn't quite translate. You know what I mean? Like, mm, yeah, I don't know if you've had that experience, but I find sometimes with video on Known Origin, it's a little tricky to get it to just show the way you want it to show. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. There's this piece, Lightning and Pilly. That's really a good, nice loop. It has yeah, a humor just, to it as well. That's kind of charming. Is this done uh, with a, uh, Procreate or what? I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what she does for animation. Yeah. Huh, I but really just like the, just the gradient between... effects of the colors as well is really nice. Yeah. I mean, um, the, but the contrast between like the, the, I think the lightning one that you referred to, it's like the... I mean, there's like um, people having sex in the background, and like, yeah. there's like a graffiti of like a penis on the the wall, and but she's like this <laughs> such a sweet, <laughs> soft-spoken. I mean, she like will barely even talk to you if you meet her, and uh, so it's just it blows my mind. And, um, <laughs> it's quite a contrast, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, these are beautiful. That's a good plug there. There's still a few pieces available on Known Origin. It looks like there's a Go Pilly. And yeah, uh, yeah, Purple Pam City are available. She's, she's uh, really bad at marketing, so there's there's going to be always some available, um, <laughs> but not for long. I think she's, she's well. I mean, be... some artists just want to focus on the art, right? They don't want to work at the the marketing's a whole other job. Yeah, exactly. That's why she needs someone like me to always yeah, kick yeah, her yeah. ass. And... Yes, <laughs> that's cool. No, that's a good recommendation. She's just got the four NFT editions on here, it looks like. So, it's very nice. And then, of course, she also has a link tree. So, but yeah, that's cool. So, very nice work. Good good plug there. Yeah. What's what's next for you? What what do you, you know, maybe we can wrap things up with that. What do you what do you have uh on the horizon for yourself here with all this stuff? Um, well, I'm really excited about that kind of like exclusive 50 person discord thing where I'm going to spoil yep. them with drops and stuff. And uh -huh. that'll be my first dedicated discord community. So um, that is the short term thing. And then I'm going to try to eventually smoothly integrate the musical side of things into NFT space as well. Uh -huh. As of yet, 
it's been all visual stuff. I mean, I've incorporated a little bit of music in the, the background of some of the loops, but, but um, I, I just, uh, I'm having trouble really integrating, like, I've always kept them separate because jazz saxophone and minimalist Asian watercolor painting, they just don't naturally mix, you know? Hmm. So I don't want to force things um, in, in a way that'll make it seem contrived. And so I think sometimes the it's medium... the things that don't naturally mix that when you do put them together makes it interesting though it, it will i mean it, for example if i slap some jazz saxophone in the background of like a traditional asian animation it would be interesting that's yeah. for sure yeah for and sure. it would get people's it would get people's attention but i don't think it would necessarily be uh, an, a successful aesthetic you know i think okay. it would have to be I think there there need to be a little bit more uh, fermentation and synthesis uh, before I would able to be able to really make an authentic expression there. Uh -huh. So that that's what I'm planning for kind of like season two of uh, of Fermata, and then obviously for the because my my main job is like a, this you know holistic health thing, I eventually want to integrate in your it. office. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I think that's like a foreshadowing of uh, eventually. I think. NFTs will come into the healthcare space. Okay. And Interesting. I do think that uh, there should be a way to integrate all of these things, like the, the visual arts and music and health through NFTs. Mm. But that's like even more far uh, far ahead than the, the music integration. And I don't think it's, it'll take like years, I think, and maybe mm -hmm. even decades for me to really successfully synthesize all three things. So. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the long-term goal. It's good to have those long-term kind of uh, visions, even if they are kind of blurry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, very interesting. Huh. Anything you want to add when we, as we wrap things up here? Um, no, it's been just a real pleasure to, to talk to you, man. Yeah, it's been it's nice to be able to uh, it's not it's not often you get a chance to just like lay out everything that's going on in your life and it gives you a new perspective as well so sure re yeah really appreciate you taking the time to listen to my monotone voice and, yeah it's not monotone can... it's, it's soothing <laughs> thank you <laughs> and i hope i can return the favor and host you in, in a korean nft room one day that would be interesting wow i don't know if there is any uh korean uh, nft followers in my space that i know of personally so that'd be an interesting uh demographic to kind of tap into yeah they're a wild crowd and they're super passionate and eager to learn so yeah it's always all the guests have been really uh, they, they've loved it so very cool that's awesome yeah yeah well let's stay in touch yeah yeah definitely yeah Hey, really, thanks a lot for uh, joining me. It was really interesting. And yeah, beautiful artwork. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, it was nice connecting with you about all this stuff. Thank you so much, Darren. Yeah, let's um, let's talk to, uh, talk again soon. And yeah, looking forward to hearing upcoming episodes of your podcast as well. Perfect. Right on. Take care. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.